The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Auto Structure Podcast on Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ryan Cobb Jr., as always. And at least we get to talk about a Chiefs win this week, Ron. It may not have been pretty. It may not have been what we expected or predicted. Uh, but the Chiefs escaped Jacksonville with a victory, uh, which makes today's conversation just a little bit more fun. Oh, yeah. No, we, they squeaked it out there. 17-9 down in Jacksonville. Avoided 0-2. We talked about it, Stags. That would have been... That would have been a little, a little bit of a hole to come out of. Uh, you know, I think it's 11% of teams that have started 0-2 since 2002 have made the playoffs. The Bengals did it last year, and they're 0-2 this year. But it's, it's, it's not something you want to come out of, especially when, when your offense is already going through the stuff it's going through. But, uh, but it, was, it, it, it was good to see them pull it out, Stags. Um, obviously, the defense bailing out the offense and special teams. You know, we saw, we, we saw that kind of rear its ugly head again, but – but it's, it is good to be on Victor Tuesday against Stags. It, it feels good to, to be at one and one, uh, you know, tied. I think tied first place. I don't think there's uh, there's no two and oh in the AFC West. So so tied for first place here. Back on track. Uh, in a lot of ways, we, we hope to forget that the first week existed or happened. Uh, and, and I know there was a few Chiefs players uh, who felt the same way. And so uh, there's a there, this was a real chance to at least get back to even and then then obviously hopefully take a step forward uh, this coming week. Uh, big step forward for the defense. Again, lots to talk about here. Uh, where do you want to start, Ron? Well, shoot. I mean, I, I guess it is important that we talk about Chris Jones. He's back. He was back. He, he, he came back into the fold and dominated. Uh, that was so fun to see him, him get back at it. And, and, you know, honestly, I like how the Chiefs just, just let him loose. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they did, uh, you know, they, they, they did, They'd obviously, you know, that's something they would do maybe if he was, you know, just in full uh, game mode, you know, full game uh, shape, I would say. But on most of his third downs, what they did was lined him up as an edge rusher over the rookie right tackle, who I love Anton Harrison. He was a guy I was touting for the Chiefs as their future left tackle in the draft. But, you know, not someone that maybe in his second game of his career uh, would have much of a chance against Chris Jones individually. 
And the Jaguars didn't do much help in terms of chipping, in terms of uh, and, and the Chiefs did a good job of occupying the right guard a lot of times with a with an inside rusher too, um, and leaving him isolated. But but yeah, I, I liked how they just said, look, you know, you haven't had much practice, you haven't done much. We're just gonna make it simple for you. You're gonna play a rook, you're gonna go over a rookie one on one, and you're gonna beat the crap out of him. And that's what happened. And it was it was really fun to see Stags. How'd you how'd you feel uh, seeing Chris Jones back in the fold? Oh, it was awesome. And it also loved how it opens things up for other guys. I mean, you saw the first sack of the game went to Carloftis uh, and Dana. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Dana, yeah. yeah two, two guys split the sack because because Chris Jones flushed him forward, because right. Chris Jones was living in the backfield. It really opened things up for other guys. You could tell the difference in the pressure. Uh, it, it was noticeable. It wasn't just that Chris Jones was getting through. is that he really draws that extra attention and really – uh, disrupts the pocket in ways that makes it easier for everybody else to get home. So uh, that was phenomenal to see. It, it wasn't just the the defensive line, though. I thought the linebackers played a really solid game. You got pressure coming from from those uh, linebackers that we hadn't really expected, uh, or maybe we'd been asking for years, can we get a linebacker that can rush the passer, <laughs> uh, maybe from that Sam position? And, uh, Ron, you pointed out, I think we we may have one. Yeah, no, Stags, you have been, we both have been, we've been on this podcast saying the rush linebacker, it'd be just such a fun wrinkle, right? We've, you know, we've, we've seen them attempt it with guys over, over the years. And, and we, we kind of said it, you know, when they drafted Leo Chanel that he has a chance to do it, right? We, we saw him up on the line of scrimmage at a little bit at Wisconsin, you know, looking good, taking on blockers uh, at the line of scrimmage and, and, and kind of rushing, you know, using the right technique. And what do you know? We we kind of unleash him week two. Uh, that was really fun. He uh, he was used a lot, and 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 I guess uh, exactly at, uh, PFF had him at eight pass rush snaps. But he was used quite a bit, uh, not only just on pass rushes, up on the line of scrimmage as that fourth down lineman, technically, uh, with only three actual defensive linemen in the game, but they were still using their four man front, obviously with Tranquil and Bolton behind him. And and Chanel was great in the run game. He was he was he had athleticism to get to the sideline, but also be stout, um, holding up on the edge. But also, man, I, I tweeted it out. Um, so go check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, he just looks natural as a pass rusher. Really good job of converting speed to power and 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 uh, you know bull rushing Anton Harrison into the into Trevor Lawrence's lap on one particular play. Overall, he had four pressures and eight snaps. Stags, that's is that good? That's wild. That's that good? it was the third most on the team. <laughs> And for example, Karloftis had five pressures and 40 snaps. And I think we all think he had a pretty good game. So, uh, Sags, I don't know. How, how are you? How, how, I mean, like, how, just overall, this linebacker group with Tranquil playing more, you know, because the run defense was good, I think. I just, mm -hmm. it's exciting. This entire defensive front, like the front seven, just in general, is just, yeah, I mean, you, fun. you saw two of the top guys get banged up in this game. Both of them were able to come back. But you, when Bolton goes down, when Gay goes yeah. down, you, you start to worry, like, uh oh, what, what are they going to do? Uh, luckily, neither injury was serious, but this just shows the depth of this group that they didn't miss a beat with Tranquil in there. Uh, he got more snaps than, than the first week. And then, yeah, I mean, Chanel, if you just look at the box score four, four tackles and a tackle for loss, that's not a bad game for a linebacker, but uh, the pressures is really where he showed up and, and seeing him, you know, round out his game and be that you know, sort of indispensable linebacker, we, we thought he would have to make a case. He'd have to show improvement. He'd have, he'd have to force the coaches to keep him on the field with Tranquil in the mix. And they found a way to use all of those guys, and, and all were pretty effective. Nick Bolton, I thought, at times was was fantastic. He had that 
touchdown saving tackle on Trevor Lawrence's scramble. Uh, he had, you know, some other, uh, other plays where he was showing up all over the field the way he always does. Uh, I mean, this is a, this is a deep, you know, four deep linebacker group like we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. And it is kind of funny. I, you know, I think Willie Gay is still playing quite a bit, but you know, he's a guy that makes plays. We've seen him make plays in the past game, the run game, and he's the one kind of the quietest right now. And that's, I think that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Right. I think that tells you this group is, is, is going to you know impact the game a lot. Well, you know, you do, you do write winners, losers for arrowheadpride.com on the site. And so we've already talked about a couple of your winners. You had Jones and Karloftis, you know, in, in the fold there, but a couple other guys you had uh, were the receivers. It was nice to see Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony, on the offensive side of the ball, even though it was a struggle. And, and maybe we can just talk about that in general, um, that, that these guys maybe really were some of the few bright spots in the game. Uh, it was good to see them bounce back both. You know, Tony had that one drive where they got him the ball and, and he made a uh, like three really huge plays converting first downs. And then Sky obviously got the touchdown, got his first career regular season touchdown on a back shoulder fade. Um, and then also had that huge play to seal the game kind of got open in, in the scramble drill. Mahomes found him. That was a crazy play by Mahomes, honestly. Uh, yeah. it, 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 for him to, to kind of, you know, float it up there as quickly as he did with a rusher coming on. Um, I don't know who else on your winner's list or, or uh, were you, were you seeing, were you liking and, and how'd you feel about the receivers? Yeah. I thought it was really critical that those two guys in particular had bounce back games. I mean, you know, it yeah. was the first week was so rough uh, for, for both of them. And they're so important to this team going forward. There's no way this offense can be what it should be if both of those guys are complete and total failures in a given year. So to see them bounce back, to see them catch the ball, uh, Tony was was efficient. Uh, you're right. He, he, he caught all five of his targets this week, um, 35 yards total. So not not a huge performance uh, statistically, but you know to lead the, the team in receptions and to, to be that efficient, I thought was was a huge step in the right direction. Uh, he still showed some of the skill set that makes him unique, uh, which is why you want him out there. And Sky Moore, yeah, those two critical plays, the touchdown, uh, you know, which it was a beautifully thrown ball uh, and a well run route. I mean, that was a uh, that's a real wide receiver play right there. And then the fifty four yard uh, catch to close out that that final drive or to help close out that on in a final drive was a little bit of scramble drill, right? I mean, Mahomes was moving. That's not exactly how they drew up that route for, uh, for Sky Moore, but, uh, but he made it happen. He found an open spot. Uh, he stayed with his quarterback. I think that's a, those are great, great signs for his development because uh, the spacing was better. They caught the ball. <laughs> they converted when they needed to. I mean, those are all things that you want to see. The offense started off very, very slow. Uh, but towards the end of the game, you could see they started to get a little bit of a rhythm. The game ended up 17 to nine, but it very easily could have been 24 to nine. Uh, yeah. They were they were set up to to score on that last drive if they wanted to. They kneeled on it instead. So, you know, this is a team that struggled dramatically in the first half and then still put up, uh, you know, essentially uh, 24 points or or close to it in the second half. Uh, that's that's what you need to see from this group. Uh, hopefully it's uh, the the second half trend will continue going forward. Well, I'm glad you you mentioned kind of like the the change from first to second half because I think one thing was super noticeable and I actually wrote about it for the site. It's already up. Uh, go check it out. It was the run game and you had Isaiah Pacheco as a as a winner too. 
the run game came alive and it was not because the players all of a sudden, you know, flipped the switch mentally or, or all of a sudden, you know, the running backs became better. No, it was because the coaching staff finally utilized them in, in the ways they needed to be used. Um, I, 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 it was so nice to see them, you know, go under center first play of the second half, uh, first play of the third quarter under center counter run, Tooney's pulling, you're down blocking. Noah Gray sets the edge super well. Um, strong block by him. Tooney kicks out the cornerback, and boom, you got Pacheco going for 31 yards. We had not seen a gap run like that like all year, I don't think. They're, they might have ran one, and, and I think, yeah, I think Tooney or someone got tripped up on their one attempt at running one in week one. They just are so vanilla in their run game, and it's why it hasn't been effective. Boom, what do you know? As soon as they run and affect, you know, a, 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 they execute a counter run, a gap run, where guys are just all they're focused on doing is, is, is kicking someone's butt. And then one guy's pulling, and, and as long and they have the guards to do it, right? Here's another play from the second half. One back power. Trey Smith is pulling, leading Pacheco into the hole. Great job by Trey Smith finding the linebacker and powerfully latching onto him, and he sets the edge for a 10 plus yard run. It, it, it's just, this offensive line clearly, and you know, I, I this is where maybe I need to to hand up and say I, I I could be wrong about something. This offensive line still is better at the at the gap run stuff than zones. I thought maybe with these new offensive tackles, with their uh, you know upgrade in athleticism overall, they might be better at the outside zone stuff, and and maybe they execute more on those. But Donovan Smith is 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 does not have that same strong inside shoulders Orlando Brown does and, and create and gets a lot of penetration on the backside of those zone runs when they try to run to the right. But they also can't run to the left because he's not very strong at the point of attack either and setting that edge. You need someone to really take force of that defensive end uh on the front of that zone run and 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 take control and 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 like let the play happen. And he's not necessarily doing that either like Brown could. And so I, I hand up. I and Taylor, you know, he just has his struggles overall. Unfortunately, as a run blocker, his pass protection has been has been excellent so far for the most part. And we'll get to that. Uh, but again, I just I, I think this team needs to understand that their best, you know, utilizing their offensive line is pulling them down runs, ISO, you know, downhill runs, you know, pulling guys like Gray and Blake Bell because they're going to have them on the field anyway. You might as well use him blocking and, and pulling and being a fullback. All that to say, Stags, is it was encouraging to see the run game in the second half kind of turn a page maybe. That 31-yard run by Pacheco might have been the play of the game. I mean, it, it really felt like a Honestly. turning point. And, you know, he was pumped up from there forward. The way he finished the game with a with that big first down at the end, uh, pumping his fist, nearly knocked out the the ref on his way back out of the, out of the pile. <laughs> Uh, his his fire, his enthusiasm, I love that about Pacheco. Uh, you want to see that shine. And I don't think any of these backs, and really, frankly, the receivers either, but I don't think any of these guys really get going until they get some decent volume and get some decent rhythm in, in the game. So you can't just give Pacheco four carries and, and hope that uh, you have a running game and, and give four to Clyde and four to Jarek and you know whatever. I think you've got to really focus on it make it a thing, <laughs> make some volume yes. in there and get balanced. We did have this question about uh, the run game from Paul Arrowwood. Uh, what the biggest question is Matt Nagy and Andy's re uh, resistance to running the ball. Uh, why do you think that is? Do you think it's a Nagy thing? Do you think it's an Andy Reed thing? Uh, you know, what's stopping this team from being more balanced? 
Man, I, I, I'm glad you, you brought that up because uh, I, I think this is an interesting point, Stags, that I, I'm curious your thoughts on, too, you know, and, and maybe we've talked about this, but I, you know, I, I'm not saying that Nagy needs to be blamed. Um, this is this is more of an EB might be missed a little bit take. You know, I, this isn't about Nagy right now. This is about this team maybe lacking a discipline in the in the in the practice on the practice field in the in the. Uh, in the film room, but also in the middle of a game that I think EB brought and Hey, shout out EB. He's doing a great job in Washington. They had that crazy comeback in Denver this week. There is something to the fact that, and maybe this will be about Nagy. What I'm about to say here, Nagy is a little bit more just a cheerleader. When you listen to him talk about Mahomes and talk about, you know, how he's developed because he was here when he first got drafted, then he went away. And I think he kind of saw him from afar and was and and oohed and odd and, and got to admire him. But, He's back and he's he's the coach, but man, he does talk about Mahomes almost like a like like a fangirl talks about you know like a like a pop star. It it it, it it's it's you know I I don't want to say it's a negative, but there could be something about lacking discipline you know overall in, in that aspect. And then you know I'll I'll make the point that you know the run game could be lacking the fact that EB could be in there you know in their ears saying look we got to run the ball Mahomes isn't feeling good Mahomes isn't confident in his receivers right now let's get an under center like you know I I maybe I don't no one knows for sure if that's an EB thing but I imagine it is he's a he's a NFL running back former NFL running back so so yeah Stags I think I think there is something to EB being a little missed so far in the first two weeks yeah it's it's entirely possible and and they really don't have anybody with a strong running game background as a coach right now, like their, their running backs coach is a former wide receiver. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, they, Greg Lewis, yeah. they went from having, you know, two legit running back coaches a couple of years back with uh, Dylan and, and uh, EB. Uh, and now they, they really have none. Uh, so there, there could be some nuance that's being missed there in addition to the, the motivation. So I, I think, I think that's something to watch going forward. This team doesn't have to run the ball, but they sure are better when they do it. Um, on the losers list this week, you already alluded to it, the the two tackles. Um, and, and again, it, it's not that Mahomes was under too much pressure. He was, a, you know, he had a little bit of pressure, got sacked once, but but overall, uh, you know, they're fine when it comes to pass protection. Uh, this week it was the penalties. Jawan Taylor in the first week was the talk of the NFL in the, in the broadcast, uh, fairly or unfairly. Uh, about how he lines up and how he gets off the ball. Um, I tend to think for the most part, it's unfair. Uh, he, he pushes the limits, but I, I think he's, he's been doing it for a long time and it's been, it's been perfectly fine up until now. But when that became the thing, he had to be prepared for it to be a thing in week two. And, and he wasn't. Um, to, to basically set a record for, for most penalties in a game, Two false starts, two holding calls, an illegal formation, a partridge in a pear tree. Like he, he had all of it this week uh, from a penalty standpoint. And that kind of thing can, can just completely derail drives. Donovan Smith also had penalties, um, you know, including a holding call, which he's, he's always been known for doing. And then that bizarre play where uh, Mahomes threw it to him and he caught it and stood there and looked around like, I'm not supposed to be catching the ball. Uh, it was it was odd. Uh, Smith touched the ball twice. You don't want your left tackle touching the ball in a game <laughs> unless you've got some cool trick plays drawn up. No. Uh, when he touches it twice and Taylor gets five penalties, it's not a good day for either tackle, pass protection aside. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it was, it, 
you make the good point. Like your right tackle should never be this visible, this, you know, talked about, you know, in, in among national media circles. And, and it does scare me a little bit in terms of not like Taylor as a long-term, you know, starting right tackle for this team. I'm excited for him as a pass blocker. He has looked great just individually when he isn't getting penalized before the snap. And, and I, he did have the two holding calls, but what I, what I will say is he has been training to go off this cadence to to time up his his kickback to to get everything firing at the exact time this exact moment you know for all off season and and he was doing this last year which is something i someone's going to need to explain to me if they change the rules or if now they're just wanting to enforce it more i think that is the the latter is the case um teams are just complaining about it more potentially because it was the season opening game and it was visible to every single person the uh, you know every coach was watching it every uh, play, uh, person involved in the NFL. Um, but he's going to have to adjust, like you said, right? That's just going to be tough to do in season, in my opinion. And that's going to like be a mental thing for him. And it might just be something where, you know, he gets laid off the snap because he's thinking about it too much now and it's going to hurt his pass protection. Or, you know, he's doing good at it throughout the game. But when it's third and eight and, you know, he's gearing up to go against, uh, you know, Joey Bosa, whoever it might be you know, he just go, resorts back to what he was training to do the entire time and, and continue, and this just continues, and it's just hard for him to overcome. It is a little worrisome to me, specifically on that right side. Smith, yeah, he we've the holding thing was something in Tampa for sure, um, but just like Brown had his faults, Smith will, and I and I think I do like, I, I think I'll, I'll take Smith's faults over, over what Brown brought still, just because I think Smith is going to be better against the speed rush and give Mahomes a better backside overall in the in the in the pocket. Fair enough. Well, uh, read the rest of the winners and losers on arrowheadpride.com every, every game day or the morning after, depending on uh, my schedule more than more so than the team schedule. Uh, <laughs> but let's see if we were winners or losers last week when we were previewing the, the Jacksonville game. Um, do you think we were right in, in the way that we approached that game uh, or, or do we miss some things? Yeah, so we we kind of made a few points looking into Jacksonville. Uh, the one being that their pass offense is very talented, right, Stags? And and that I was maybe worried about how this defense would hold up. And that's where we need to – we've already talked about the front playing so well. Shout out the pass coverage. We need to give credit to the defensive backfield specifically and even the linebackers uh, in a sense in coverage too. But specifically, I would say the corners um, just playing an absolutely great game uh, against you know Calvin Ridley who – you know, him and Lawrence had seven catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown in the first half of week one. Ridley only had two catches and 32 yards for the entire game here in week two, with Sneed primarily shadowing him. Yeah, Sneed did give up a few penalties, right? Uh, you know, move the chain. So those count as catches. You might want to throw those in there. It is kind of, you know, a box score stat to only say he gave up two catches, 32 yards. But at the same time, to not give up touchdowns in the red zone like we saw, you know, very tight coverage from McDuffie and Sneed closing out back of the end zone throws, sideline throws. Um, you know, Justin Reed got that penalty, you know, at uh, DPI at one point. It was, it was close. I, you know, I, I think he, he did get the flag, but, you know, it was still took good tight kite coverage. I like the effort from him there on that specific play. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 and, and I know one winner we passed up was Justin uh, Jalen Watson uh, at the mm-hmm. cornerback position stack. So, I don't know. What did, how, did you, how did you like the defensive backfields game on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, they're coming along. And, you know, I, I, I – Reverse jinx Jalen Watson, uh, jinx Jalen Watson on this uh, uh, week with our market movers piece we put out before the game, trying to predict who's trending coming into the week. 
uh, Watson was on my my downward trend because he didn't play the previous week on defense at all. This yeah. week he got some some mixed in on defense some more and made one of my favorite plays of the entire game uh, when he blew up that uh, that play on third down to to prevent uh, a conversion on third and two. Uh, that was a phenomenal play, and he also had the the punt that he downed at the one yard line. So he contributed on both special teams and on defense. Uh, so so kudos to him for this week. Uh, I think the whole secondary is playing uh, pretty well. I mean, there's we'll talk about this in, in the mailbag. I think there may be some some areas uh, that are underperforming, but I think for the most part, at least the cornerbacks uh, have been pretty promising. I'm I'm very high on McDuffie at this point. I think he's yeah uh, he's you know lending himself to be one of the better corners, better young corners in the league, and and continuing that trend. Uh, I, I think it's phenomenal. So yeah, they they held up really well against this. Jaguars passing offense this was not a shootout like we thought it was going to be uh, to hold them out of the end zone entirely and and to, to three three field goals only even when the team gave them a turnover uh, in uh, you know deep into enemy territory there right uh, that was that was massive to hold them to a field goal there and 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 make this a very winnable game even when the offense wasn't at their best so uh, definitely promising what we saw from the passing defense yeah and and it was cool i can't i should have looked it up uh someone tweeted it out a national a good twitter follow uh tweeted out how spags was was in the red zone doubling kind of bracketing uh to the jaguars you know top options and i I believe it was christian or uh, calvin ridley excuse me and uh and maybe evan ingram and then he was leaving mcduffie isolated right on like the on the zay jones or kind of that second receiver or christian kirk maybe that was kind of the old you know, Bill Belichick way of, of kind of shutting down a pass coverage, right? You know, you, you double the primary option and then you leave your best corner to, to, to that's what they did with Stephon Gilmore and Sammy Watkins. Uh, obviously Chiefs got him a few times on that, but not enough mm-hmm. in that 2018 AFC championship. But, but no, it, it's cool. I think we talked about it all off season, how, you know, this group second year spags, you know, maybe we'll be able to see a little more creativity. And I, I did think you saw it this game, why Trevor Lawrence did look a little skittish sometimes. I think, I think there were a few times, even though the pass rush got home, Lawrence kind of was was a little trigger shy because this pass coverage was was giving, um, you know, was giving a, a different look and and it helped, you know, Jones on on actually I will say on a fourth down in particular, uh, he kind of pumped and Jones finished it with the sack. The coverage kind of threw him off a little bit. So the the this is this is what you want to see, Stags. The coverage helping the pass rush. The pass rush obviously just just playing themselves. I mean, this is. This defense is kind of living up to 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 what we all maybe were were giving them of super high expectations as as the preseason was kind of winding down. Complimentary football is what it's all about, right? And and uh, if this defense plays like this, the offense is going to come around at some point. You know, we talked about last week about how important it was to avoid going zero and two. Zero and two teams very rarely ever make the playoffs. Um, this is you know this yeah. was a a reset week and an important one uh, to get back on the board. So. Uh, good win by the Chiefs. I don't think we should take too much negative away from it. I think we need to uh, sort of take the the small victories out of this one, the progress. And again, worst case scenario, if if week one was a negative, week two is a positive. They're back to they're back to zero now, uh, and and something to build on for the rest of the season. Um, tell you what, let's take our break a little bit early. Uh, let our sponsors have their their say and, and get to your uh, your mini game, the the uh, crossover. Uh, what what player am I? You got to give this a cool name at some point, Ron. But uh, uh, see if I'm you can start me this week. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm 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 creative enough to have the game, but not creative enough to name it. Uh, 
Okay, we got the Bears coming up. Uh, another NFC team, you know, another team maybe that doesn't have as many many crossover guys. So I am a former NFL running back, retired now. Uh, and I did retire. My last season was with the Chiefs. My second to last season, and I should say I played for the Bears and the Jets before the Chiefs. I was a running back. Second to last season, I come in here to Kansas City, and I pair up with a young stud in Jamal Charles and rush for 896 yards on top of, or I guess I should say in concert with Jamal's 1,400 yards. And, and the team, I think, was first in the league in rushing that year. And, uh, you know, he's, he, went, he was a top 10 pick. Everyone's got to know who this is by now if you're, if you're a football nerd. Yeah, I was going to say, Ryan, you, you got you to make these a little tougher. I, th- I think you could, if you'd have stopped at former Bears player – uh, maybe it would have given me a little pause, but uh, the Bears and Jets gave it away. Hey, we'll we'll talk about this when we come back um, right after this on the Out of Structure podcast. We're also going to get to your questions from Twitter. I, remember, you have the option to submit those via Twitter or emailing to apoutofstructure at gmail.com. We'll be right back after this. Stick with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more. And get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Before we went to break, Ron was asking his trivia question of the week. I think he's given too many hints on these. Uh, (laughs) Feel free to slim them down in the future. Uh, You talked about a running back that played for the Jets and the Bears. Um, and somebody who was a compliment in a non-Matt Nagy season when the Chiefs ran for uh, a million yards with Jamal yeah. Charles and Thomas Jones uh, being, th- being that other running back. So we're going with yes, Thomas sir. Jones. I assume that we got that one correct. Uh, and Thomas we'll, the engine. <laughs> we'll, Thomas tank engine. We'll, we'll try a little harder next week, Ron. We'll, let's see if we can stump the people next okay. week. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Stags. You, you asked for it. You're, it's coming next week. It's coming. All right. Well, let's get to your questions. Uh, our guy, J.C. Proctor, are both of the safeties struggling? It kind of seems that way. Maybe it's communication or play. Something seems off in the safety room. Yeah, I'm, it, it's a good observation by you, J.C. Um, I, I haven't been necessarily impressed with, with the safeties. We just talked about how the coverage was so good against Jacksonville, and I do think a lot of that was, was the corners. And the safeties did their job. A lot of times the safety's job is just, you know, kind of, you know, just uh, – you know, playing from depth and, and just discouraging throws more than really manning up somebody, right? You know, so they, their job maybe isn't as as hard to to mess up. But they did play sound, right? They didn't give up any big plays down the field, which was good. That said, though, you know, I 
I, I haven't seen a lot of, you know, impact plays from Brian Cook, uh, you know, someone that I'm definitely expecting to take a leap uh, step this year. Just the leadership is already there, right? And it just feels like you saw flashes last year of him making plays. Maybe in a full-time role, we'd see him take that step. He's, the, he's primarily the free safety, so he's not around the line of scrimmage as much. That is important to note. He is going to be more of the guy when they do have their one high looks, and, and Justin Reed's going to be the one kind of shading up and, and helping against the run and in short passes. You know, Cook's going to be more, you know, and, and hey, they haven't given up a ton of deep passes, so you can maybe point to Brian Cook helping in that respect, and that's not going to be something you're going to be able to see on the broadcast necessarily all the time. That said, I would like to see them make more impact plays. You know, Justin Reed, to me, um, he's, he's, he's always just been a guy that's very sound in what he does. He's going to make probably the play that, that is there for him to make if it is presented to him, you know, but this safety room, you know, this is always at its best when these guys are going above and beyond. I think cook has that ability. I don't think Reed does, but I, so I want to see it out of cook. So cook's kind of the one I want to see step up here. Um, but Reed kind of is who he is maybe at this point. Well, cook might've had one this week, except he got tackled on the way to a, uh, uh, yeah. interception. Uh, so that, you know, obviously that was something that was uncalled, but uh, probably should have been on the offense. Uh, you know, he, he made some of those plays coming down the stretch last year. So maybe he just hasn't had the opportunities yet. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they'll come up. Uh, Thomas Ramirez asking about the wide receiver core. Does it remind you of the defensive back room from last year, how it took him some time, uh, but they came together? I think it does because – not only is it a whole bunch of young guys, but it's a whole bunch of guys. Like you, there's there's seven wide receivers that are active, and and there's eleven guys catching a pass in a game. Uh, this is a, a group that is trying to find out who's going to emerge from the pack a little bit. And they did that with the defensive backs last year. They had a lot of corners take snaps. Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, still competing to this day to figure out who's the next guy up in the cornerback room. I, I think you're seeing that in the wide receiver group. I think the Chiefs are letting them compete and see who comes out of the pack and who develops. Uh, They've got uh, a lot of faith in the young guys. I don't see them going after a big veteran receiver. I mean, uh, as much as I would love it, the, this idea that keeps getting floated about trading for Mike Evans, I don't see that happening. I I think this is a, a team that, you know, they've looked at what they can do at receiver. They decided to go cheap and young and they're sticking with that plan and giving these guys a chance to develop. and, And I think, uh, we saw some signs this week that it's maybe starting to work. Uh, it might take them a little bit, but I'm excited to see what the end of the season looks like. Yeah, I mean, was the young rookie-filled defensive backfield always good last year, always fun to watch last year? Absolutely not. I mean, there were definitely some games, uh, especially early in the season when they didn't have Trent McDuffie, you know, that that they got exploited. Um, and, and, you know, people were, you know, wanting to, to be upset about that, just like they're upset about the receivers now, which – you know, the receivers, to me, it is just it's, it's a little different just because you expect Mahomes, the elite quarterback, and Andy Reid, the elite play caller, to elevate no matter who the receivers are and it, for it to look better than this. And so in that respect, you know, you do – it is okay to maybe be a little more question – you know, or question, I should say, just just question the receiver room a little more than than just like, okay, let, let's let's wait. You know, I, I we need to see why it's just – why Mahomes is just – not comfortable going to sky in the rhythm of a play and and why it just seems like you know no one else can get open besides a Justin Watson who shout out him he leads the team in receiving yards and first down catches so far this season um so yeah I I I like the 
I like the comparison because they're going to, these guys are going to be developing and be the guys, you know, going forward. It's not like they're going to, you know, I mean, it's going to be sky. It's going to be Rasheed. It's going to be, uh, you know, uh, potentially Justin Ross, uh, you know, I, but it's, it, it's going to take some time just like it did last year. You know, it wasn't always pretty at the beginning of the year. Well, we've got a bunch of questions here that sort of overlap a little bit. First of all, Jedi Sue, should we have kept Tyreek Hill? I mean, <laughs> that'd be nice. You, you know, yeah. like the, the trade was still a good one. They, the, the resources they got out of that have been valuable. They'd have had real cap trouble if they still had Hill on this roster. But, man, it'd be nice to have him. <laughs> he is having a very fun year. It's it's so fun to watch him in Miami. You know, no will will. Uh, and, you know, it is kind of a funny, funny point, Stags. Like, it's it's, you know – Andy Reid's a better coach than Mike McDaniel, obviously, but you know Andy Reid known as his offensive genius. Like Mike McDaniel is doing some things to get even more maybe out of Tyreek than even Andy did uh, while he was here, and I think that's kind of what happens when you know you're a coach and you don't have an elite quarterback like kind of Reid's gotten used to and knows that hey, I'm just going to run my stuff and like you know I don't have to get too you know fancy with what it looks like. I think I think it's it's just kind of an interesting example of like. You know, when you really have to, you know, when you really have to get it going because your quarterback is only so limited with what you can do, like, and you have a guy like Tyreek, like, you can get creative, and man, it, it really shakes that that short motion they're doing where he's just going in motion at right before the snap and and kind of switching it up, man. It's it's really impacting the way cover, defenses can cover him, and it's something that, you know, it's just funny. It's just kind of cool to see, like, you know, Tyreek get utilized even more than he was here in Kansas City, and he truly is, honestly, in my opinion. It's an interesting point. I mean, I think. Uh, having an offense centered around one player and and really getting creative around making that guy the guy, maybe that's what Tyreek Hill was talking about when he was complaining about his usage and and he really wanted yeah. that. Maybe this is what he wanted all along: is hey, feature me exclusively and and yeah. have everybody else be complimentary of me. When this offense in Kansas City, the only player that gets that featured treatment really is Travis Kelsey, and everybody else uh, is complimentary of him. So. Uh, you know, it, it worked out well for both sides. I think this is one of those rare deals where it's – I think it was good for all. I, I'd oh, be yeah. curious to see if the roles were reversed, if if he really – you know, if Reed could find ways to get him more involved. I bet he could, uh, but he just didn't have to here. Exactly. Like, if it was – and we – I guess we did see it with Alex Smith, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. – we saw a bunch of creativity, ways to get him the ball. But I think you're – it's a good point you make that – you know, maybe towards the end of his career here, you know, hey, like I, I want to be like a, you know, like the focal point of the offense, not the third most important player on my offense. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of questions here about uh, Justin Ross. So Justin Ross enthusiast at Mahomes 2X on Twitter. Is it significant that Ross took more snaps than Richie James? I'll let you talk about Ross, but for Richie James, it, it has been a little frustrating for him so far. He's had two really bad games back to back, flat out. Um, this week, drop the punt um, when, when he's really primarily here to be that returner. Uh, G. Freddie Chiefs uh, pointed out and asked that question, should we be concerned about him? Uh, and and I, think, I think it's definitely not off to the start we expected. He was supposed to be this reliable veteran. He's got the quicks to get open. He can, he can run a lot of different types of routes. He can catch the ball in traffic, and he can play on special teams. But we may have overlooked some of his flaws in that optimism. Uh, it sure looks like he might be on his way down in this uh, in the hierarchy of this room. Yeah, 
I the punt return was not fun to see the the muff punt after you know seeming like we we kind of felt good maybe about him being a returner, but yeah, I, I think I think Justin Watson, uh, you know, has really w- what he has done as a at a receiver kind of playing his role. I think that's maybe something that Richie could do if they really wanted him to, but I think Justin's just better at it right now. Uh, and and you know, getting open downfield, he's a better. He he just looks like a better route runner, a cleaner route runner. He gets to where he wants to go. Mahomes obviously trusts him, and so yeah, I think Richie is just maybe not going to make as much of an impact, uh, you know, just in the flow of the offense until maybe you know they have an injury, you know, knock on wood to to yeah. someone in the slot, right? So yeah, I Justin Ross though, I he's just someone that, and and I've been and this is we talked about this all the entire off season. It's just, he's kind of a one dimensional player. He's going to be on the perimeter for the most part, you know, running only a certain amount of routes, only doing a certain amount of things. And that's why it's going to, he's not going to maybe play as many snaps, um, you know, as some guys, but it was good to see him, you know, get a few more snaps than Richie. And I think that does tell you that, you know, they're understanding that, look, we could maybe cut this receiver, you know, snap rotation down, you know, maybe even cut Richie completely out of it, uh, you know, to an extent. Um, and then Justin kind of come in and, and get those red zone looks. He did in the week one, he did have one pat, you know, one play where he was lining up out, isolated in the red zone. Um, I didn't really know he, he did get open on a slant really this, this last game one time in the red zone, but it was a kind of a quick throw to Kelsey Mahomes never was really looking to him. So yeah, I think Justin, he's getting there. I think it's just kind of a, you know, he only has such a limited thing to do. So, you know, there's only going to be so many opportunities for him to come in. But I think I think we're going to see him impact the game soon, sooner than later. I think so too. At least again with the Jody Fordson type snaps, um, yes. they, there's there's definitely targets available in the red zone. I like to see it when he gets the ball outside of the red zone too, because again, let, let's see him be a full full well-rounded receiver. But yeah, Justin Watson might be the most underrated player on the on the team at this point. Uh, people love to hate him and love to get try to get rid of him, but he is. Uh, a pretty consistent performer and and then goes out and makes some plays. Uh, wasn't perfect, obviously, uh, this week. I uh, had one big mistake, but uh, but also uh, is making plays down the field and and uh, he's getting out there and, and doing the work. So um, we'll see how the room shakes out. There's still a lot more to go uh, of this season. Uh, G. Freddie also asked about the run game. Uh, do you think you think there were some encouraging signs running the ball? I think we already talked about this a little bit, but. Was that just a product of the game plan, or do you think there's some good signs ahead for the run game? Yeah, no, I I think there is good signs ahead, hopefully. And and that's the thing, you know, just because they showed that willingness to use more gap runs, power runs, counter runs in this week, in the, sec- in the second half of this game, doesn't mean they're going to, you know, just look like that every game. And it's going to drive me crazy. You, you guys will hear me complain about it if they do just resort back to, we're just going to run shotgun outside zone as our only run play and never care about, you know, making the run running back, you know, in a good position, putting Pacheco down. No, they may go, go back to that, but it was good to see them sh- at least like have the ability, you know, to just flip to that all of a sudden in, in a game like they did. It, it really was. I mean, they, they truly Pacheco had 11 carries for 66 yards in the second half. He had one carry for four yards in the first half. They truly did flip the script. They stopped putting Clyde and, and McKinnon in for run plays. They just put Pacheco in. They got downhill. And so it was good. It might have been a wake-up call, but I'm not – I don't want to sit here and say I'm I'm guaranteeing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll see that outside zone uh, stretch to the short end of the field, uh, the short side of the field, and, and be cursing about it uh, soon oh, yeah. enough. Um, how about the defense? Do you think it was a mirage? 
uh, or are they really this good? Again, a G Freddy question. No, I, I, I think there's reason to believe that the defense, you know, can live up to some high expectations we were putting. And it's because of how much of a crazy person Spags can be, you know, in his pass down packages and just kind of, and now we're seeing he's even getting creative on early downs too, right? Um, Spags, when he, while he's been in Kansas City, a lot of his creativity comes on those rush downs when you're, when you're getting after the quarterback. But he does keep it pretty vanilla, simple in terms of what he wants to show you on early downs. And, and that honestly is something that if, if you kind of look back, when, when offenses can get after the Chiefs, it's because they are throwing on them on early downs, kind of trying to stay away from third down, right? And that's always going to be the key against the Spags defense. Well, now you're seeing – that they are that they are running more odd fronts. They are running, you know, more more uh, two gapping schemes where they're not asking guys to penetrate like a traditional Spags defense. Where hey, you have this gap, you're right here, and that's all you have to care about, and it's an easy read for the linebackers. No, we saw this week specifically, and Chanel played a part in that. He was playing that outside linebacker role at, at times. We saw this week them use on early downs uh, Derek Naughty straight up on the center, and then he's. He's coming out, two hands on the center, you know, looking at where the running back's going. That's different than what we, they usually have him and, do. Usually, he's he just, did all right. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. I, Derek <laughs> Naughty, and maybe this is where he he deserves his flowers right here. I've been very critical of him the past few years, and he's an easy guy to root for. Love him, uh, you know, in terms of what he does for the community. He's got the dog, uh, the the adoption uh, stuff he does with dogs, and so I love to see that he is playing well because he, I, I think. And that's what he did at Florida State, um, honestly, to go all the way back, is he was more of a true nose tackle. And the Chiefs drafted him with Sutton here in the 3-4 scheme. So it made sense that kind of he was drafted to be more of that uh, true nose tackle rather than an A-gap uh, double-team uh, you know, absorber. All that to say, I think, I think the creativity coming on early downs too instead of just pass downs now, I think that is the wrinkle that could make this defense even better than just, you know, hey, pass rushes on, on third down. That's what their, their bread and butter is. I think they could get after you on all downs uh, with these new wrinkles we're seeing. Absolutely. And leads right into Thomas Ramirez's question about George Karloftis. Is he getting better every game? Looks like he can be a defensive end 1B or a high end uh, 2. And, and I think this is the key about Karloftis is last year, again, I branded myself as the, as the guy who – who didn't want the Chiefs to draft him and, and thought that he was a pretty limited player. My big thing there was managing expectations. Don't draft George Karloftis and think he's going to be Von Miller. You know, he, he, <laughs> he's not that kind of player, right? He, he's not going to be, you know, a 15 sack a year, speed rusher, you know, flashy type player. But for what he is and what he does, he's doing it very well and he is getting better. It looks like he, he got a little quicker in the offseason. He's more decisive. He's, uh, he's moving a little bit more fluidly, uh, if that's a word. <laughs> he's definitely showed some improvement, uh, whether it's Tamba Ali uh, or uh, Joe Cullen or somebody else's influence. Uh, I like the progress he's made. Keep your expectations realistic. Yeah, defensive end 1B or, or defensive end 2 uh, is a great spot for him. Uh, he can be around that 8 to 10 sacks. Uh, it looks like, uh, going forward with the right crowd around him. Now, if he's the guy, if you don't have Chris Jones on this team and he is the man, um, I, I don't think he gets there. But as a complimentary player, I think he can, He can just like that first sack of this week that I talked about, yep. Chris Jones is chasing guys around the backfield. Uh, Carlottis is going to be there to clean those guys up. Uh, he's the garbage man. He's, he's basically anybody who's ever played basketball with me. 
Uh, basically <laughs> me in the lane in, in, in basketball, uh, picking up rebounds and putbacks yeah. and, and blocking shots. Like he, he's that complimentary uh, player that with the right defense, yeah, he's going to keep getting better. And it looks like he's on track. Yeah, absolutely. He got that other sack too later in the game. It was actually on like a first down, I believe, uh, a play action pass. He just, you know, broke through the line and chased Lawrence down trying to get away from him. Um, definitely something that, you know, you mentioned, you know, don't expect him to be Von Miller. If you're not going to have the the freaky Von Miller bend uh, that we all want our pass rushers to have and we all, you know, just – just like that's the one a you know a one thing that that you want your pass rusher to have if you're not going to have that you want to be as efficient in every single movement as possible in terms of you know in terms of being fast off the ball being you know quick to react to where the quarterback's moving and and kind of you know shedding the block the other way or or setting up your moves Karloftis is super efficient in all of his movements and and it really does show i mean that first sack you mentioned um he he kind of he he does this all so quickly. He occupies the right guard and then he goes onto the center to, to kind of rush because he needed to occupy the right guard to hold to get Chris Jones isolated, right? He, he does that and then he goes to the center real quick to beat him. He sees Lawrence try to step up uh, the other way than he was kind of positioned, chucks the center to the side and cleans like it was like just and, and go watch it. It was just such a clean boom, boom, boom. Three, three things he does right away and he, and he earns the sack again. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned kind of the work with Tom Bahali. Um, but I, I think, yeah, him working with Bobby Stroop as well, uh, the Chiefs trainer, um, definitely someone that that kind of maybe taught him some athleticism stuff, some bending around, and and he's he's showing it right now, Stacks. Absolutely, I love it. I love the improvement there. I, I love that this is a young team, you know, with with Mahomes on board, and and now uh, with his restructured contract, we didn't talk about that yet, but uh, you you probably saw the news that oh, you yeah. agreed to a restructured <laughs> deal with Patrick Mahomes. This is going to give him a record amount of money over the next three, four years, uh, and then they'll have a chance to redo it one more time. Um, that that flexibility of having the best quarterback in the game, somebody who's on pace to maybe be the best quarterback in, in, in the history of the game, and being able to surround them with young, talented players that are only going to get better, it's going to keep this window open longer. It's going to make this a fun team to watch. It makes it. A, this is what makes it an actual potential dynasty. It's not – Mahomes and Kelsey, it's it's Mahomes plus all of the young talent, both on offense and on defense. So that's exciting. It's a great time to be a Chiefs fan. Uh, probably the the maybe the best time ever to be a Chiefs fan in, in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, we know we're lucky. We know we're lucky, Stags. We're living in the golden days for sure. <laughs> we'll tell you what, you guys are lucky as well. I'm going to let Ron close this one out. Uh, Ron's going to give us a little preview of the Bears game uh, coming up this week. Uh, I'm going to step away. Uh, you all are in good hands, but we will talk next week. Uh, thanks for sticking with us on the Out of Structure podcast. Ron, they're all yours. <laughs> Monologue time. No, I, I I do appreciate everyone listening, uh, enjoying me and Stag's conversation about the Chiefs. Uh, it's 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 been an interesting start to the year, right, guys? I mean, one and one. Um, you know, definitely, definitely kind of had them at one and one, to be honest with you, looking at the schedule when it first came out. Figured maybe Jacksonville would be a good spot for them to lose after you know uh, coming out of a high uh, in Detroit or against Detroit in that in that banner game. So, so you know, let's just relax. You know, Kelsey's getting healthy. He's back. Jones looks you know like he's full go, and he'll just get more and more in the mix and in, in, in completely in the game. He only played fifty percent of the snaps. I'm pretty sure on Sunday. 
And we got the Bears coming in a week three into Arrowhead, kind of get back into the, you know, the regular schedule, right? No short week or no long week, uh, you know, no disrupted week, um, you know, Sunday at 3.30. Bears coming in looking like maybe the worst team in the NFL. Um, I actually think I had them as the worst team in my last power rankings because, you know, to have an athletic quarterback like Justin Fields and, and what he has shown in the NFL um, to this point, you know, being one of the most dynamic runners we've seen at the position, honestly, over the last few years. I mean, the way he moves is is different, uh, you know, than than some of the other the other guys that that show a little bit of athleticism, maybe. And to not use that because he's clearly not ready, you know, to be a consistent attacker downfield uh, as an NFL thrower, um, you know, missing missing guys open against the Buccaneers in week two in a game that, you know, they lose because the offense is, is an act, uh, you know, just completely inactive, ineffective, excuse me. It, it, it's going to be, it's going to be something that it, it's a test for the chiefs defense, right? Where the pass rush needs to be disciplined because he is so athletic. And I do think, you know, on the road, you know, if the pass rush is really going to be bearing down on him, this may be the week that Chicago after starting 0 two says, look, all right, quit with you know we, we know you're not ready let's just you know if you got to take off just do it that's our only way of, of winning maybe this game not starting 0-3 and you know that that can present a challenge to the pass rushers right if you if you if a guy like Felix you know if he if he you know kind of over pursues you know gets and, and kind of leaves his his gap open for him to scramble out you know because um, that is going to be an emphasis point for this first Spagnuolo this week is telling his defensive lineman hey when you're rushing you have to play within contain you have to not you know just play with your hair on fire because that allows Justin Fields to get up field and, and make plays that said the Chiefs pass rush the front is looking so good as just a four-man front and this coverage is playing so well against a Bears receiving group that that, that is nothing to write home about there is something to the fact that you know you could just play with your hair on fire and even have someone you know keeping him in check like a like a Drew Tranquil or Leo Chanel or Willie Gay even Bolton you know, kind of keeping an eye on fields and on pass downs and just making sure he doesn't do much because he, you can kind of maybe afford to have that even with four man, you know, usually, right. You have your spy as that fourth rusher with the rest, the other three rushers going after it, but you can kind of maybe afford to have the, the a fifth guy kind of being the spy because, you know, you could go one high and, and fields may not take advantage of it as much as our other quarterbacks would that you'd be fearful of, of kind of going too much one high and pass down looks. So all that to say is, it will be an interesting test of the Chiefs defense this week. Um, I, I am really curious to see if they kind of continue because uh, they haven't faced, uh, you know, the athletic quarterback like that so far. You know, Goff and Lawrence are, are pretty are going to stand in the pocket. Lawrence is athletic, obviously, but he he is a disciplined pocket passer um, and, and he's not going to go away from that for the most part on offense, though. Yeah, this Bears defense hasn't necessarily, uh, you know, given given you know uh, Packers offense that's that's brand new. Uh, Jordan Love, brand new quarterback, and then a Buccaneers offense led by Baker Mayfield haven't given much resistance. So, you know, this should be a get right game for the Chiefs offense. I would really like to see the pass offense get going at home. You know, Mahomes. You know, let's see a receiver have a good day, right? Let's see a receiver rack up six, seven, eight catches, get over a hundred yards. Um, whether it has to be Tony because he's the easiest one to get the ball to, apparently. It could be Sky Moore, um, but I, I'm not going to put my money on it right now. Uh, it, it could seem like it's just balanced out again, and it could be Kelsey having the big game. But I do think I don't. This may be a game where I wouldn't mind them. Maybe not. You know, I, we talked about the run game earlier. You know, I I, I maybe give them a pass this week if they want to really emphasize the pass game. Obviously, the run game opens up the pass game, and that would help. 
But, you know, if they want to emphasize the pass game, if they want to really rely on it this week and try to get it going, try to get Mahomes in a rhythm, I'd love to see it. You know, I, I don't think they need to come out against Chicago and, and run a bunch uh, to win this game like they maybe had to against Jacksonville. Excuse me. And so, yeah, I, I do think the pass offense should have, you know, a get right game. And Andy Reid should let him. You know, I, I think he should try to let Mahomes loose, you know, get some get some op- schemed open, you know, pass plays, uh, you know, in the opening script maybe. You know, uh, get some confidence in your receivers, Rasheed, Sky Moore, get Justin Ross going maybe a little bit. And yeah, because I, I don't think this Bears pass rush is going to give Mahomes much of a worry in, in pass protection. I think I think the Chiefs offensive line will will show up and, and give him a good pocket, kind of like the Detroit game. So hopefully we see better, better uh, execution from the receivers getting open, better play calling maybe too. You know, I, I do think there's something to that as well. And so, yeah, I think it, it'll be a, a, an interesting game. You know, I think Chicago looks very bad. They're, uh, the, they're a 13 and a half point underdog coming into Arrowhead. But at the same time, always things, always things for the Chiefs to improve, obviously. Uh, they, they, the pass offense is, is going to need an, a get right game. The run offense is still going to need to get going. The defense still has things, you know, tackling could still get a little better, in my opinion. Um, we mentioned the safeties earlier. I think they could, uh, you know, continue, continue to make plays maybe. But all that to say, you know, it's early in the season. I'm, you know, we're encouraged by Spagnolo how he has got that defense looking. Imagine when Charles Omenihu gets back to really add in just another, you know, key piece to that defensive line. You know, when he comes back in another after another four games, it, it's looking up. It's looking up for the Chiefs, especially with the rest of the top of the AFC kind of maybe not looking as good to start the season either. The Bengals are 0 2. So, yeah, just keep that in mind, guys. Just keep that in mind as we get going. We're learning right now. It's a learning process. We're Super Bowl contenders now. Not every You don't hang on every game, and, and the team doesn't either because, you know, they know that they're not going to be the same team as uh, now that they, they will be in, in January, February when it really matters. So keep that in mind. I'm going to wrap it up here, though. Thank you for listening to my monologue. I could go on forever. Always appreciate you guys. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter if you got any questions. Uh, uh, you know, submit questions to the show. Um, and we will be back next week answering your questions, talking about the Chiefs-Bears game. Stags will be back with me. Appreciate you guys watching and listening, and we will catch you next time.